Welcome to Scholastic Reads, our podcast about books, authors, and the joy and power of reading. I'm your host, Suzanne McCabe, Editor-at-Large at Scholastic. Thank you for joining us. Today, we're going to talk about some scary stuff. Author Dan Pablocki is here to tell us about his new multi-platform series, Shadow House. It's filled with ghostly apparitions, spooky noises, and strange things that go bump in the night. Dan's past work includes Stone Throws Island and the Book of Bad Things. Hi, Dan. Hi. Thank you for joining us in the studio today. Thank you for having me. Well, it's a pleasure to have you here, and we're delighted to talk about Shadow House. It looks a little scary. Oh, good, good. Yeah, I hope it's a little scary. I'm going to start with an innocuous question. What was your favorite Halloween costume as a kid? You know, it's funny. I I always kind of did something low-key. My mom was the big costume person in the house and she would always help us put something together and uh oftentimes it would be clowns so i was i was was very frequently a clown as as a as a kid out for halloween and they told me that i loved clowns they told me my my family and and you know i would have pictures of clowns up in my in my bedroom and 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 for some reason, I, I always remember being scared of clowns. And I don't know why they insisted that that I I liked I liked having the clowns around. But the clown costumes were never really my favorite. I remember my my favorite, favorite costume was when I was a little kid, there was a character called Woodsy Owl. Uh-huh. And he was, I think his catchphrase was give a hoot, don't pollute. And I remember my mom made me this uh owl costume and um I was I was very young I think that was my favorite one I don't I don't know why it was just so like intricate and with all the feathers and and it was just really funny but it wasn't a scary costume at all the clown might be somewhat different from the uh character here on the cover of your book the girl on the cover of shadow house definitely a creepy image but the clowns did eventually make it into some of the other books in the series. So I, I didn't even I didn't even put that together until right now, actually <laughs> having spoken about my fear of clowns when I was a, a, a young person and and knowing that, you know, they 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 appear in some of the future books. There's often a lot of discussion about how clowns are creepy to many kids and frightening to many kids. So that's yeah. kind of cool. Yeah, and it, and it's funny because I there there are so many different kinds of clowns and and I remember going to the circus as a child and all of the clowns they were they were really interesting and some of them were cute and funny. And then there was just this one I remember seeing with diamonds, diamond shape above his eyes and below his eyes, black, black and white <laughs> face and it 
it scared me so badly. I, I, I had to leave. I had to leave the circus, but it was just one clown. It was oh really gosh. bizarre. Okay, so now you're working to terrify as many children in America as you possibly can. Is that yes. right? Yes, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully with no tears. Okay, uh, but the the book you wrote here is scary. So, can you talk a little bit about the origin of the series and what drew you to it? Sure. It was. It was an invitation to sort of explore this idea with some of the editors here at Scholastic and basically told me about the multi-platform process that, you know, that they've been doing for several years. And I thought that sounded really interesting to be able to to work on something big like that. Mm -hmm. All they had to say to me was five kids trapped in a haunted house. And I was on board. I mean, that's literally all it took. (laughs) <laughs> Great. They gave Great. me they gave me some some of the characters, some of their backgrounds, and the over overarching idea of what was going on, and said, "See what you can come up with." And I just I went to town. I, I think I wrote an eighty page proposal or an outline, and turned that in. And I believe that they are still using that those 80 pages and developing some of the stories for the for the app and the background and the history and the artwork which is kind of cool that some of those very early ideas have have survived that's wonderful and you did that with no coffee <laughs> the 80 pages are no i don't even there. drink coffee yeah, yeah that's that's terrific so tell us our, our listeners will be interested to know just what multi platform means and a little bit about the app that goes with the book Sure. So the multi-platform um, aspect of the book is you have you have the story, which you can read in the book, and then the team at Scholastic has different games and different kind of online experiences. I know for some of the other some of the other books, it's it's been online games, but this this uh, Shadow House app is I think specific for the the iOS and Android devices mm-hmm. and it allows the reader to get a little bit more history of of the house itself the house is called Larkspur and it's it's in the Hudson Valley sprawling mansion that that is just one of the spookiest things that you could see with you know if you look at the artwork in the book and in the app so that's that's sort of what you know. That's sort of where they went with with this mm-hmm. multi platform idea for this particular book, and it, it's been fun, absolutely a dream to see the artwork come together, all of the stories. It's 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 like you get to go into the house yourself and explore explore the different experiences that happened to some of the survivors of the house, or some of the people who were victims of the uh-huh, house uh-huh. and you get to lead them in certain directions. You, you, you know, you oftentimes will come to a, a point in the story when you're flipping through the app, the pages on the app, it says, do you want to go in this direction and help this person? Or would you rather go investigate the screaming down the hallway? And uh-huh. I mean, it's just so oh, much fun to geez. play. And the first time I saw it, I, I had chills because it, it, like you, you plug in your headphones. There's sound effects, and it it really it's it's a full, full body experience. 
That's terrific. Congratulations. It yeah. reminds me a little bit, some of my favorite books as a kid were the ones that were three-dimensional, that folded out, and you could look inside and oh, yeah. feel that there was a whole world there. Yeah, absolutely. And- very similar, very similar to that kind of experience. Oh, that's wonderful. And what kinds of books did you like to read as a kid? I liked I liked all sorts of stuff. My My favorite, favorite author... I read him over and over again, and I still read, I still pick up his books every now and again, was a man named John Bellairs. And he wrote, the book that I that I read over and over was A House with a Clock in Its Walls, which is kind of a gothic horror set in the 1950s with very, you know, like little kids paired with elderly people. And somehow <laughs> they always made, somehow they were always really good friends and... They went through these really scary, haunting, spooky experiences. And at the end of the day, I always knew they were going to come out okay and sit by the fire and have hot cocoa (laughs) or drink, you know, drink a Coca-Cola on like one of the hottest summer days. And they were very, they were very comforting. So, so there was John Bellairs. I also loved Zilpha Keatley Snyder, who wrote the Egypt game and the headless cupid and some other creepy-ish kind of books uh-huh. that were popular popular back in the day and I, I i really wish that they would have a renaissance and then there's mary downing mary downing hahn who wrote one of the scariest children's books oh i've ever read called wait till helen comes and i remember being i still remember being in third grade and going into my school library and picking that book up off the shelf and being like, whoa, what is this? There's a creepy ghost girl and she's really mean. And um, I was so excited to be able to meet Mary Downing Hahn last year. We oh, on, good for you. We were on a panel together in uh, Baltimore and I was sitting on the stage and this is so typical of me. I was sitting <laughs> on the stage and I couldn't hold back any longer. And just kind of flipped out and told her what a fan I was. And <laughs> the audience was filled with bloggers and and educators. And they all just were so amused at my enthusiasm to meet this this person. I mean, I I would never have imagined at the age of eight that I would be sitting and talking about my own books with her. 30 years later. Gosh. I mean, it's it's an insane feeling. And I bet for her too. Can't imagine that she ever imagined that as oh, well. And she was lovely. Yeah, oh, she was that's totally so cool. amazing. So when you walk down City Street or you're in the countryside, does every house or apartment building have a creepy factor, or do you imagine wild scenarios, oh, yeah. and scariness? Yeah, I, I see. I see potential for stories everywhere, and not necessarily even in like the most obvious places. Mm-hmm. Somebody was telling me there's a term, it's sunlit horror. And I don't think you necessarily even need to be in in a dark, abandoned place mm-hmm. at night. Like even just walking down, even just walking down a street in, in the city sometimes, if there's all of a sudden you look around, you realize you're alone and there's lots of, you know, hidden entry entryways or alleyways, and you know, you don't know what's around the corner. But that being said, there's also some amazing, amazing old buildings in in the neighborhood where I live in Brooklyn that I just picture, you know, who who lived there, what did they do, what what could possibly have happened here, what's 
hidden underneath the house? You know, how far down does it go? What's in that tower? You know, there's so much great architecture all around, and I'm constantly filling, filling the houses with stories. As you say, we never know in what's around the corner or who's around the corner or things can be scary. So I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about what you think children and you in particular as a kid reading scary stories, how does that help you process the emotions and the situations one has to deal with in life? This is something that that I talk about all the time. I know there are you know, some parents out there and even some kids out there who may think that uh, a scary story is, is not for them. And I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to argue with that, but I also do believe that reading, reading a story in a safe space, a story is probably the safest, you know, safest thing you can do in order to get some sort of thrill. And I believe that scary stories are popular because either subconsciously or, you know, or unsubconsciously, we, we are trying to prepare ourselves for moments that may be difficult in life where we need to learn how to be brave. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and my hope and wish is that, is that more people were, were able to pick up these kinds of books and, and really kind of just, and enjoy enjoy the thrill of it and sort of understand like yeah now i i saw how that person dealt with that problem mm-hmm, i can mm-hmm. deal with i can deal with this problem that i have now right right you make me think it's not just situations in life but one's own imagination sure. or what's within one's own mind can be every bit as terrifying yeah yeah laying yeah. laying in bed at night mm-hmm. and you hear a noise down the hallway it's like mm-hmm. What are you going to do? Hide under your covers, or, right. or are you going to turn on the lights and call out and say, uh, "Here I am. I have uh-huh. a bat." You know, uh-huh. like you better watch out. <laughs> or um, call nine one one. Or call nine one one. You know, whatever it takes to sort of help yourself through it. You yeah, know? yeah, it's a, really a great way of looking at it. Now, we didn't ask you beforehand to read an excerpt from the book, but I wondered if there's one in particular that you'd want to read for us. I think that Dylan and Irving is really creepy. Oh, here it is. Dylan took the steps two by two. When he reached a landing, he grasped the doorknob and pulled. The door gave a couple inches, but then something pulled back from the other side. Hey, Dylan said, yanking on the door with all of his weight. I didn't mean to scare you. I just want to... The door released and Dylan fell backward with such force. He slid on his back a few inches along the runner, stopping just on the edge of the steps. His phone had fallen face down somewhere nearby, and the landing was nearly pitch black. Something stepped from the doorway. Clink, clink, clink. The metal cuffs rattled softly. Hushed breath sounded right above Dylan's face. Dylan was suddenly too frightened to move. The boy came closer, the wooden floor creaking underneath Dylan's spine. Dylan closed his eyes, hoping to make himself invisible. There was no way this boy was part of the film production, so why was he here at Larkspur? And why was he wearing a mask? The breathing came closer still, inches now from Dylan's nose. Reflexively, Dylan swung his arms up to push the boy away. 
but the hands didn't meet a body. Instead, they passed through air, very cold air. Dylan sat up, flattening himself against the wall as the sound of chains scrambled away and the nearby door slammed shut again with a wild wham. Dylan frantically padded along the floor until he found his phone and then shone the light toward the end of the landing. The door was gone. Dylan blinked. The door was gone. We're going to have to get some sound effects in here. (laughs) If you were Dylan and you were in a haunted house, who would you choose to go along on that journey with you? I was thinking about this, and I I mean, I know that, you know, Ghostbusters is one of my favorite movies. (laughs) And, you know, I would have, I might say Bill Murray's character from the Ghostbusters. He has that like sense of humor. I think it might lighten everything up. It's a way, (laughs) his character has a way of just, you know, talking through some of the scariest things that are happening. And I'd feel really comfortable with him. And on the other hand, Kate McKinnon from the new version of the Ghostbusters Uh is such a fierce character, I just felt like I would I would have loved to have both of them on my side. So Kate McKinnon and Bill Murray, you know, come come on a ghost hunting tour with me anytime. <laughs> really nice. That's a really nice choice. Now, those who have worked on the book, I'm a little bit nervous being here because I've heard there have been some pretty scary experiences among scholastic employees who've touched this book in one way or another. Yes, yes. Tell us what's going on, Dan. Sure, yeah. Um, I guess I guess it started with my editor, Erin. Sent, uh, she sent me an email one day telling me about this experience that she had had after working on the book for a little bit, where she woke up late in the middle of the night because she heard a girl laughing in her bedroom in the dark. And she woke up and looked around and couldn't, you know, couldn't find any reason for this to be happening. But like, that was, I think that was the first story that I heard, which is pretty creepy. That's pretty great. I've had my own kind of experiences where I I work at a, uh, an office down in Gowanus in Brooklyn. Um, It's kind of like in an isolated area. And some, there was a couple nights where, I'd be I'd been working really hard during sunset. I'd look up and all of the lights in the room were completely off. I was alone in this space and I just felt this kind of like creepy kind of pressure closing in on me. And I I I had to turn off the light at my desk and then run through a completely dark space to get out of to get out of the office and and down onto the street. And then once I was on the street, I just was completely alone and had to walk home with this sort of feeling of like somebody is watching me here and I, I believe I think I think another another of the another of the creepiest things was was one of the um somebody who was working on the book late one night had two paintings fall off the wall in the next room to where he was working for no reason and uh you know just just little things like that 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 have been sort of creeping us all out. There, there was one more. Um, somebody, somebody in the marketing department had put together a prop mirror um, with Matilda, the the girl on the cover of the book. Her face is in the mirror, and there was some black smudge that had been in the mirror for a certain amount of time. 
And the 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 marketing uh, person had asked somebody from production to come and open the glass up and remove this black smudge. And she came in one night. Uh, she came in the the next day and called up the person to thank them for remo- removing this black smudge that had been in in this prop mirror. And the person said, "I I didn't touch the mirror. There was there was you know." No, nobody had touched the mirror. The, the black mark just disappeared all on its own. So there's been a few things that I've heard have been going on around the scholastic offices regarding the people who work on this book. Ooh, okay. Well, someone on our podcast team has a little girl named Matilda. Ooh. So I'm getting a little scared here. Let's just go back to what will you be wearing this Halloween? That is still up in the air. Um, I I haven't decided yet. Last year... I did it very last minute. I went as a gorilla. <laughs> I, I found a mask and I bought a, 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 I bought a bunch of bananas and I called it a day. But it was effective. <laughs> it was much more effective than I thought it would. So you don't, you know, don't necessarily have to spend a lot of money to make a fun or like uh-huh. creative little costume. But definitely, I, I think definitely some somebody from one of the books this year is going to have to, you know. Have okay. to make an appearance. Well, we hope you'll tweet at us. On oh, Halloween. I will. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up here? Just that I hope all of the readers are looking forward to the next books because I believe they're even more more frightening than this one, and I can't wait to see what the what what they come up with with for the apps next, um, the stories and the art and the music and all that good stuff. Fantastic. Well, congratulations again, and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me here. Thanks again to Dan Pablocki for joining us in the studio today. And thank you for joining us and for sharing in our mission at Scholastic, where we believe that the right book in a child's hands can open a world of possible. Special thanks to producer Morgan Baden, sound engineers Daniel Jordan and Chris Johnson, and music composer Lucas Elliott Eberl. I'm Suzanne McCabe. We look forward to sharing more Scholastic Reads next time. <laughs>